so much for joining me here today, Dr. Karaman. Um, I, we know you're going to be speaking at our upcoming Regenerate conference, and you have just a wealth of knowledge to share um, around animal health, around homeopathy, and uh, really excited to have you on. So thank you for joining me today. You know, thanks for the invitation, Michael. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So Dr. Karaman, your, your background in both soil science and veterinary medicine is it's quite unique. How has your experience in working on dairy farms and your exposure to homeopathy and biologics shaped your approach to animal health and regenerative ag? Well, um, you know, soils is where it all starts at. And uh, I got my uh, start in agriculture. Uh, I, I'm a suburban kid. I grew up in uh, suburban Philly and took a philosophy class. We had to do a project uh, on a uh, topic of our choosing. And uh, one that was happening back then, that was 1981, was a famine in Ethiopia. And strange as it, as, as it sounds, I realized people got to eat. And um, so I started uh, learning about agriculture and soil science was my major in college, which of course is the basis of uh, all land agriculture. And uh, I, uh, uh, just this is a just a brief background, if you will. I mean, because it, it, it's really about where I'm at now. It, it shaped it. Um, in my third year in college, I worked with the Soil Conservation Service as a soil conservation aide, um, basically surveying out subsurface drainage, manure storage facilities, uh, farm ponds, all those kind of cool things. And always in the background, I saw dairy cows. And I saw a lot of dairy cows, um, but not up close. And so then I got... Uh, I got done college and I wanted to learn about dairy cows because they, I love animals. I've loved animals since I was a kid. So I pretty much apprenticed myself out for about six years um, on dairy farms. Uh, and when I started milking cows, I actually happened to be over in the Netherlands. I uh, have a lot of Dutch uh, relatives um, and they're not dairy farmers, but I ended up working on a dairy farm there because I really wanted to learn directly about the cows. And I started milking cows. I was instantly addicted in a very good way. And uh, I've been milking cows or been around cows ever since. I find them to be the uh, connection between the land and the food that I wanted to help produce. And, you know, back then there was no such thing, at least back when I was starting agriculture as organic or regenerative. I just wanted to help feed the world. Honestly, I just wanted to help make food. So uh, but back then there were cows still out on pasture a lot more. And so seeing the cows out on pasture and grazing and getting my start at Seven Stars Farm in, in uh, Chester County, Pennsylvania, with organics really brought everything together. Um, the cows grazing, turning, as my wife Suzanne loves to say, and she's so right, turning sunshine into butterfat and cream right through the dairy cow. So um, it's it's one big uh one big package, if you will. And there's something about dairy cows that really, I think um, people that know about dairy cows really know is that they they create a connection between a person and the animal because you're, you're milking them once or twice a day, right up close. I mean, just this morning I was milking and we milk 60 Jersey cows right now. And I know each one by name. I each know, I know each udder. Uh, I know how they milk. Uh, I know their personalities. So it's really um, from the soil to the cows is just full life. 
I'll just put it that way. That's amazing. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of a better way to put it. That's, um, <laughs> that's really touching, honestly. Yeah. Um, in now regenerate 2023 coming up soon, November 1st to 3rd. If anybody wants tickets, you can go to regenerateconference.com. There are virtual options for attendance. It's going to be in Santa Fe, New Mexico this year. If you want to come in person, um, Dr. Karaman will be there at, well, will be performing a virtual tour of his farm in North Carolina that will be presented at the event. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to cover kind of the hows and whys of his operation. And I'd, I'd love to hear some, some sneak peek insights into what that tour might look like for folks and what they'll get out of it if they're considering Regenerate 2023. Sure. Um, well, um, I, obviously I'm a dairy cow guy. I mean, I, 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 let me just finish what I was saying, just I'll let you know. I mean, I've been a dairy cow vet for Oh, since 1995 till this very moment. Um, and now I've resumed uh, working with dairy cows. And so our farm is a diversified dairy farm, diversified in these ways. Um, one, we have a herd of uh, 60 A2, A2 polled registered Jersey cows that we milk once a day, uh, that we keep the calves on the cows, which is a very uh, progressive uh, uh forward leading effort in the dairy industry. Well, I won't say the dairy industry, but certain segments within the dairy sector are starting to really look at keeping baby calves with their cows and not separating them right at birth. And so we do that. We're probably one of the largest farms in the US that does that, to be honest. Most people have, you know, a few cows and they keep their calves with them. And that's great. Um and so I'm going to be talking about that some as well as um we have um uh, well, it's 400 acres, uh, 200 in pasture. We don't grow any crops. It's all uh, managed intensive grazing. We'll rotate our lactating cows two to three times a day, uh, depending on you know the weather, the season, the growth of the, the pastures. And we also have um, a bull herd, since my wife uh, uh, sells uh, bull semen. Uh, so we have about 30 Jersey bulls. Uh, we keep all our animals. None of them uh, go to the stockyards. Uh, they stay with their mom until um, they're about five, six months old. Then they're separated, the boys from the girls. And the 30 bulls are either collected or leased or sold. We sell them from uh, North Carolina up to Wisconsin, to New York, to even Ontario, Canada. Uh, we also have uh, about 400 uh, layers. Uh, right now, we got some Delawares in, in mobile uh, egg houses. So we collect the eggs daily and we move the egg houses about every three four days after some mammal uh, group has been on a pasture. Uh, We also have about 30 uh, St. Croix Katahdin mix um, sheep uh, which uh, they're uh, hair sheep so they're for mutton or lamb at some point. They're not for wool. Uh, We uh, have them. We co-graze sheep with the bulls. We also um, have four horses um, that we co-graze with the cattle at times and also young heifers. And sometimes we co-graze the yearling heifers uh, with the sheep to be guardian, uh, uh, a guardian species livestock. Uh, we grow a lot of annual warm season and cool season grasses um, we have been uh, no-tilling without any chemicals now for the last year, uh, just waiting for the right time for uh, the new seed to be put in the ground. 
and our uh, we have pigs and pigs are a very important part of the ecological process here uh, in the woods uh, and on marginal land, they will renovate and regenerate uh, soil just simply by their snouts. So we also have pigs um, uh, right now, only five, but sometimes we'll even have up to 50. We raise them as uh, uh, grower finishers. We haven't uh, had any animals, uh, sows, uh, uh, give birth yet, but we're thinking about it. Um, so they play a big role in turning the uh, earth over and getting the seed that's inherently in the soil, in the seed bank in the soil uh, growing. And a lot of times when we have pigs, uh, we'll find uh, ryegrass volunteering afterwards without ever having put any seed in the ground. And then uh, one other, uh, we, we have livestock guardian dogs, great uh, Pyrenees, and uh, they have been helpful. Uh, they tend to wander if they're not trained correctly, but um, we have quite a diverse farm and uh, diversified pastures as well, um, which I'll talk about at the meeting. The, uh, the seed mixes we use, and I'll, I'll be showing a lot of pictures of all this. And also just, I mean, here's the, 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 the real bare truth is that the soil when I got here was pretty bare and we have a Piedmont clay soil and uh, the topsoil was stripped off because of uh, it, it got logged. And so we had subsoil basically right on the surface, which is like concrete, orange concrete. And it's only by biology uh, with the animals on the land, with the urine, the manure, feeding them, unrolling bales of hay in the wintertime, enhancing the biology, uh, releases the minerals in those soils that otherwise wouldn't be released. And so now we have a very vibrant farm, whereas just five years ago, some of our sorghum sudan grass that we we would plant at the right time with the right weather conditions and everything would would maybe come up you know, maybe half a foot a foot and sorghum sudan now as it as it should comes up five feet high and the cows graze in it and it's a it's a very green farm and it's all from biological practices we've uh, put in place. So. At AGA, of course, you know, we're, our standards are, of course, focused on nutrition, but more so focused on animal health. And, um, you know, ap apart from nutrition on your farm, and I, I think you've, you've shared quite a lot of the things that you're doing, but w what are some of the top contributing factors that you found that significantly impact the well-being of your livestock? Uh, really well-managed grazing, number one, all the way around. Um, also, uh, good laneways so they don't get lame uh, because they got to walk, of course, you know, to graze. And if they're lame, I just lifted a hoof on one of our cows, Annie, this morning, and she's just, you know, has a minor problem, but she's a little slower than the rest of the herd, you know, that are running out to the pasture this morning. Um, one of the big things, I mean, uh, the nutritional aspect is, is, I can put it really simple for everybody, at least that have ruminants, and that is rumen fill. Rumen fill is how well filled the rumen is. Basically, are you providing enough groceries for what the animal needs? And so if you're milking cows or goats or sheep, um, you're extracting from them and you have to make sure that they have enough groceries every day. And you can visually see that very easily. And I'll show that in pictures in the meeting if they're full or not. And so we're always looking at rumen fill on whether or not the animals have eaten enough in a pasture. Like this morning, they came into the barn real full because they were on a sorghum Sudan grass pasture overnight. 
Uh, but then you also have to balance that out with like, well, how low are they taking the pasture? And you got to have residual, of course, for the uh, root growth uh, snap back with the moisture. Um, as far as other, you know, you can count their uh, chews of cud for ruminants. Should be about 60 chews per cud, which sounds weird. So when they burp up the cud, they should chew 50 minimum 60 times that cud before they swallow it. And that tells you about good digestive health and good digestive health especially in a rumen, a ruminant, um, you have to have good ruminant health, gives health and good digestive health. As we all know now, more and more with the microbiome that everyone's talking about in, in hard science uh, is so important. Um, but other than that, like when we're milking the cows or if you have goats or sheep and you milk them, you know, you'd have to do basic uh, conventional, uh, you know, hygiene, uh, cleaning the udder, dry, making sure the milk looks good before it goes in the tank. Now you're talking about just the, the most important things that you feel are impacting your, your livestock. Yeah, I, I'd say uh, uh, our problems on our farm would be, and amazingly this year, not so bad, uh, hooves from walking and getting like stuck in between the hooves and getting a foot rot, which is very easy to treat. And I can talk about that maybe in one of the breakout sessions uh, in a natural sense, because that's my forte is natural treatments. Off. Yeah, yeah. On natural treatments for dairy cows and you advocate for reducing reliance on antibiotics and hormones and livestock um, which of course our, our standards prohibit um, could you highlight some of the practical and effective naturopathic approaches that you've successfully implemented on your farm absolutely well i wouldn't say just on my farm but on like a mm, few hundred farms that i've worked with as a as a dairy vet uh in lancaster county pennsylvania um, I really, uh, due to the uh, organic rule, as you know, in the U.S., and I know that the AGA has the same rule, that if antibiotics are used, the animal has to be taken out of production. Isn't that correct with AGA as well? So that is, uh, that's a two-edged sword in a sense, really. It's uh, because uh, it's, a, it's a punitive action to the farmer because they're like, if they're using the antibiotic, they've got to get rid of the animal. That's the rule. But on the other hand, for me as a vet who was already open-minded going to veterinary school, it's also, it was incentive in a weird way to try alternatives. And most of my veterinary colleagues, uh, just like me, trained in vet school, just learned, uh, you know, real basically antibiotics, hormones, uh, steroids, and surgery, those kind of things, and anesthesia. Um, so when you're faced with, um, you know, an infectious disease process, um, what are you going to use? Well, it's 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 not too far-fetched to say, hey, let's look back to what they used prior to the antibiotic era. The antibiotic era is very finite. And it it's almost like both ends now because of everything like uh, it's been utilized so much, or if you want to say abused too much antibiotics. But prior to 1940, they were using botanicals. They were using biologics. They were using, um, you know, basically those two big modes of treatment standard veterinary veterinary care. So there's a lot of veterinary textbooks which actually have a lot of botanicals and biological treatments in there. And that's what I drew from. And so let's just say you have a cow with what I like to call mysteriosis or even a, a well, we'll just say a cow since that's my thing, but goat, sheep, you know. Um, for a dairy cow that has a fever of unknown origin or it's a can't really do a physical diagnosis on the spot. What are you going to do in an organic herd or a, a herd that can't use any antibiotics? I'm going to use biologics. There's a great product made out of Colorado. Hope it's okay to uh, 
name a product here. I'm, I'm, I use it. I'm not part of the company or anything. It's called uh, Bovacera, and it's basically antibodies, not antibiotics, but antibodies that are formed by other animals, in this case, cows, uh, against very standard uh, gram-negative um, uh, bacteria, they're called. Things that cause coliform mastitis, pneumonia, salmonella, those things. Then I'll also use an immune stimulant called Amplimune. Amplimune is an immune stimulant made from a soil bacteria that stimulates a beta and gamma interferon. So that's the, there's two parts to our immune system. There's the uh, specific immune system where we create antibodies or passively take them in, like I just mentioned. And there's also the uh, innate immune system that we have the same as with turtles or fish or whatever, which is like our firewall against anything and not specifically. And so uh, the amplimune increases the beta gamma interferon, which uh, basically says, you know, you stay away, you're out, and that's a firewall. Then I also use vitamin C as a good antioxidant. Um, also, I use a, a, a botanical mix that has uh, garlic and ginseng and um, golden seal and echinacea and barberry in it. All have very strong uh, antibacterial qualities. I even give that IV. All the stuff I give IV. And um, you say, gosh, you can give a tincture, a botanical tincture IV. Well, when I read about they do that in Chinese hospitals, I'm like, okay, I can do that with a dairy cow. So, so basically, uh, that uh, all veterinarians have a certain kind of like mm, routine in their black bag when they see something, they use this, see, they see this, they do that because people want something that's effective right away. So, I had to come up with something pretty effective, short of an antibiotic. And I've done that. And I, I give a lot of talks on it across the country and other countries, even uh, to veterinarians and, and, and vet schools and everything. So I'm trying to, it's weird. It's like kind of going back to the future, if you will. I mean, I do look back to the old books. I don't use everything in the old books, but I also uh, have a lot of respect for what veterinarians could do in those days prior to the antibiotics and our heavy reliance on them. With your extensive experience in the dairy practice and as a member of the USDA National Organic Standards Board, how do you see the role of regenerative ag in improving animal health on a broader scale? Um, well, I, I would say this, uh, and it kind of goes back to me coming down here to North Carolina from having been in very fertile Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. I mean, real fertile. Um, I've, been, I've been in the certified organic world since 1988, quite a long time. Um, and I love it. I mean, it's been my professional career. Um, but I would say also, and, and as you mentioned, I was on the National Organic Standards Board coming up with helping draft standards for uh, materials that can be used and guidances for grazing and whatnot. But I would say that coming down here to North Carolina, where the, the, this particular patch of land was stripped of topsoil, and coming here and looking at it and going, oh my gosh, this looks like a lunar moonscape here. I mean, I just was like, what am I going to do? I don't think that certified organic fertilizer, and we tried it, is like, you know, an input substitution type positive effect. You got to have the biology. And that's where the regenerative agriculture, whether it's organic regenerative or not organic regenerative, really... Um, really wins. It, it, to me, I love certified organic, like I said, but it, it's the biology of the soil. And I wish I'd learned uh, soil biology while in college. I learned a different kind of 
I learned soil mapping classification, conservation, as I mentioned earlier. But uh, the biology, uh, there's so little known about it, but when we can tap into the biology of the soil, any soil, I think that things will grow, uh, you know, using, we use a lot of compost and you can use compost tea, but you have to add biology to the earth to have the earth give back to the animals and the people. And, and if you just, that's where regenerative really wins. I don't care if you're organic regenerative or not. Um, of course, when we're talking about regenerative ag, holistic management is always a part of the conversation. How do you incorporate that approach into your daily farming practices to ensure the health and the vitality of your livestock? Well, um, I would say uh, everything we do is on the farm is what uh, is the, I don't want to say we're like total cutting edge, but we're pretty cutting edge on this farm. And so we uh, always are integrating our, uh, we're layering over livestock. We're making sure that, how do we do the decision-making? Well, it's always looking ahead. I mean, it's always looking ahead, not just what we got right now, not how much we can take from the cows right now, because we don't get that much because the calves take it. But uh, golly, I don't, I don't even know how to, uh, uh, that, that's, I'm too close to it to really answer that question. I don't know. If anybody wants to see, you can see a virtual tour of it right. at Regenerate 2023 and get your eyes on it firsthand um, through the virtual tour. Again, regenerateconference.com. Feel free to come get tickets there. Um, we'd love to see everyone get a little more Dr. Karaman um, as well and get, get a firsthand experience of what he's doing on his farm. Um, now, of course, in Lancaster, working with a lot of um, Amish dairy farmers and uh, of course, your veterinary colleagues, what what are the, some of the most common challenges that you observe when it comes to animal health and how do you address them? Um, okay, well, it depends what system they're in. In, in. Specifically in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, there's a lot of tie stalls, which are like um, foreign to people down here in North Carolina and foreign to a lot of people. But tie stalls are basically, you know, individual uh, stalls for cows. And they work very well in the Northeast, Upper Midwest, into Canada for the long winters, you know, for housing. But some of the problems there would be uh, just not getting enough exercise. I really believe that, um, you know, some of the challenges would be the animals are, in general, even in regular conventional agriculture now, animals are kept inside. And even in the, in the tie stall barns, because it's easier to take care of them or feed them and milk them in, in tie stalls, it, it they're kept inside maybe more than they should. Now, uh, the organic guys up in that area and in the Northeast, upper Midwest, absolutely, of course, have to graze to the 30% dry matter intake rule. And so that's a good thing for exercise because the, the five, I have five factors for like general health. And that's uh, basically sunshine, fresh air, high forage diets, uh, good, dry, clean bedding and fresh water. And if you ask me, that's your best vaccination pro uh, program as well, those five things. So um, anytime there's any uh, hindrance to providing fresh air, sunshine, clean water, dry bedding, uh, and high forage diets for ruminants, uh, there's potential problems. In your opinion, what role do botanicals 
biologics, homeopathics, play, and promoting animal health and supporting the overall regenerative ecosystem on a farm? Well, one, they're all made from nature. Um, and so, it, I mean, philosophically, conceptually, it should fit hand in glove into the animal system. And um, I mean, honestly, like, I think botanicals work really well in herbivores. I mean, their 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 digestive system is is adapted to botanical substances, plants, and so uh, and most homeopathics are derived from um, uh, botanicals and minerals and some animal uh, substances as well. Um, so it just kind of uh, keeps the the system uh, the the whole cycle uh, full and and circular in a good way not to have to uh, look outside of nature for, um, uh, you know, fixing a problem. Now, that said, that said, I would not want to be without a modern antibiotic once in a while. As a matter of fact, um, my life has been saved by vancomycin. Vancomycin is one of those antibiotics that hospitals use when they don't know what's going wrong, mysteriosis. And um, and veterinarians are not allowed to use that particular drug and a few others, antibiotics, so that it can be used in human medicine. So basically there's, there's a spot for antibiotics. There's a spot for them uh, to save a life and which we need to do to be good stewards uh, of, of animals that we take care of. I mean, animals look at us in the eye we look at them eye to eye and to try to uh, put like a purist philosophy on a living being, you know, for me as a practitioner who wants to help animals get better is difficult. However, I've learned to play within the rules of, you know, the organic world using homeopathy, botanicals, biologics, and I love it. Uh, but I want to be able to use everything if possible. But it, it, the other thing is, I mean, if we stay away from the antibiotics and hormones and steroids and all that, then we can also uh, keep back a lot of the pharmaceutical industry's huge sledgehammer or big paw print on agriculture, which has just grown and grown and grown since the 1950s or 60s when like veterinary science and agribusiness, you know, found out that, hey, you know, we use antibiotics in the feed. We can have more animals under the roof that, you know, basically, and that's exploded over the last 50 years. And so just simply out of uh, not wanting to do that, we should look to natural treatments that were used for thousands of years and uh, to complete our system of agriculture that is healthful, beneficial, both to the to the animals themselves, to the planet, to the people, everybody. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, for that to be the easy, cheap fix, right, to throw the antibiotics in the feed when in the in the conventional systems, I mean, you know, sacrificing potentially animal health and also human health, right? Yep. And, you know, um, antimicrobial resistance, I mean, you know, folks out here using antibiotics that can't you know, uh, they're not able to treat things that they've been able to treat for years and years, cause the treatment through the roof. So, um, 
it definitely using them in, in a limited way. And our standards, of course, prohibited, but I also see, you know, your perspective of, you know, you want to help the animal one way or another. Um, well, let, let me, let me say also that medical researchers have been in touch with me over the years when I was in practice, full-time practice, uh, because they're looking for alternatives to antibiotics. So the same world that's been very, you know, attuned and tuned in and addicted to antibiotics, some people can see the writing on the wall. And sometimes it's being forced upon them by, let's say, society and, and the public government and whatnot. But some people are actually reaching out to say, hey, doc, like, what do you use on these organic cows? Like, let's try it. And so this one, one study actually looked at uh, vaccinating dry cows to have them have hyper uh, uh, hyperimmune colostrum to the certain antigen, and it was being used against pediatric diarrhea in developing countries. So that's a good thing. So they're looking; they are looking actively into the natural world to the degree to the degree that their minds can want to. As we close the circle in regenerative ag, how do you see the symbiotic relationship between healthy soils and healthy animals contributing to the long-term sustainability of farms and the environment as a whole? Well, uh, you know, it's all in the grass and, and uh, you know, that's based in the soil. And I mean, it's just one continuum, um, you know, the way conventional agriculture is, we all know how that is. It basically you throw something at this substance, which is the earth, the soil, you know, with what which should have living organisms in it. And well, then you can get something to grow, but it, it's killing the earth. And like I said earlier, here, you know, what I've really learned at this farm, and I've been here seven years now with Suzanne, is biology and enhancing biology is is so is so key i mean we have birds here we have right now two falcons two hawks and a falcon outside and i gotta watch it for my cats now outside my house cats and we got a fox in the glade um uh, and we got butterflies everywhere and we have birds that i haven't seen i keep seeing new birds every year now which is really cool it's like they like it here. And so I really feel, and Suzanne and I both feel that, you know, we're, we're stewards of God's kingdom and we want to make, you know, the world a better place. And, and um, so the soil, the animals on the soil, you know, and the fact is conventional ag has divorced the animals from the soil, but the animals in contact with the soil, even the kinetic energy of the hooves on the land, helps the soil in some way. And just because we can't maybe measure it doesn't mean we can't sense it helping the vibrancy of things and, and animals grazing correctly so that, you know, there's regrowth uh, and the rest periods and rest periods are such a key thing in, in regenerative agriculture and grazing. Um, so giving ample rest uh, and, and diverse pastures will give diverse life. And where there's diversity, there's always more insulation to a single pest coming in. Um, I think that's pretty well established and, and I, I definitely agree with that. So you and your wife, Suzanne, have definitely learned a ton from your experience over the years and developed a lot of knowledge about 
um, regenerative ag and, and uh, you know, helping other farmers and such. What advice would you give for new farmers who are just starting out, especially in terms of prioritizing animal health in their regenerative practices? Uh, this may sound pretty simple and almost, but learn the regular system. Um, as I said, I grew up as uh, in the suburbs of Philly. I have learned everything almost. There's always more to learn, but from soils to dairy cows, and now we also, we're going to be operating a, a small cheese uh, manufacturing facility nearby, which is already gone. So from soil to food, but each step of the way, you have to know the basic biology, the basic hygiene, if you will, when it comes to cows, the ba the basics. And I, and so if it means learning conventional methods, at least for animal husbandry, just to understand what the animals are, how they work, how they act, do that. Um, hopefully, when we do have interns at our farm, you know, they come here and they learn that, but in a holistic way. So, but really, truly, you have to know that, you know, certain soils are going to be erodible compared to other soils. You have to know that you need air, you need channels in the soil to have air and water movement, and then everything happens in a good way. If you just, if you only graze cattle, you could compact the soil and you wouldn't know that because you're saying, hey, you know, it's cool. You know, we're grazing. That's cool. But you might actually be compacting the soil. And once in a while, you might have to have a rip tillage once in a while, maybe every few years, just to loosen the soil some. So you really just have to know the basics of agriculture. And that's not easy. Um, there's a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears that go into animal livestock husbandry and um yeah you know but one thing you want to always hopefully be able to do is is make that connection with your animals because that's what life is about is connection that's what we all want um and there's lots of ways to go about connecting with other life but in a in a holistic regenerative farm you're giving animals the best chance at having the best life possible without doubt. You still got to know the basics and that's what I'm here for. That's what other people like Helen Williams are here for. Gary Zimmer are here for. Um, but uh, yeah, have, have one foot in the box, if you will, regular agriculture and one foot outside the box and 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 then you can forge your own way. Um, and if if you're attuned to regenerative, organic, holistic agriculture, you're gonna go in the way you want to go with good uh, with a good basis. Thank you, Dr. Karaman. Um, it's been a pleasure to get to talk to you and learn from you over the past you know half hour, forty five minutes. Um, My pleasure. For anybody that is listening. 
Um, obviously, you see this man is a wealth of knowledge. This is definitely someone you want to learn more from. Uh, regenerateconference.com. We will be doing a virtual tour of Dr. Karaman's farm in North Carolina. Uh, the dates are November 1st to 3rd for the in-person conference. There's also the virtual options that are offered on the site. Um, please go get some tickets um, and we look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much, Michael. We'll see you there. Bye. Thank you.